Hello, and welcome to this podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Joan Baratta. Dr. Baratta is a fellow at the Cyber Policy Center of Stanford University and teaches at various universities in different parts of the world. His work focuses on freedom of expression, media and communications regulation, and intermediary liability issues. He is the author of several books and has published many articles on these topics, both in academic and popular press. Dr. Baratta is regularly involved in projects with international organizations such as UNESCO, the Council of Europe, the Organization of American States, and the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, where he was the principal advisor to the representative on media freedom. Dr. Baratta also has experience as a regulator, as he held the position of Secretary General of the Audiovisual Council of Catalonia in Spain, and was member of the Permanent Secretariat of the Mediterranean Network of Regulatory Authorities. Quite an impressive uh, bio. Okay, Joan, you know about our three plus one format. You get three questions and one soapbox moment. Um, so let's start with the first question, which I will put on screen. How do you interpret the relationship between users accessing more content and services online and the impact this may have on telecommunications operators? Hello. First of all, it's a pleasure to, to be here in this podcast. Thanks for the invitation. What I would like to say is that the relationship between tele, telecommunication companies and, and, and users has evolved in the course of, of the last decades. Um, we, we need to keep in mind the fact that um, big telecommunications companies, as we know them nowadays, um, used to hold the position of monopolists in the market of telecommunications in the not so far away past. And this uh, monopoly was uh, protected by, by state regulation. So I, I would say that uh, these telecom, big telecom companies, uh, which in many cases are still big dominant players uh, in, the, in the market, in the respective national market, uh, are were used to be the ones deciding on the services the, the, the clients have access to, and even the terminals that uh, users uh, can use to have access to, to the services. Um, everything has changed. I mean, with uh, digital convergence, with the deployment of uh, new forms of uh, different uh, types of uh, infrastructure that, that provide better better traffic, uh, I mean, that, that increase the traffic, so on and so forth, but particularly because of the existence of uh, new content services and applications that now are being demanded by users. So now, let's say users are taking the protagonism in this relationship, which is something that is uh, new for, for telecom companies, and now users demand better connectivity, better quality in the services, better choice, and also a better relationship uh, in terms of uh, consumers, better protection and, and, um, and more, more safeguards uh, when it comes to the use of telecommunications. So, but these, um, I believe that telecommunications need to see these as an opportunity. This is a big opportunity to offer more services better services uh, and to make more money huh? because indeed now they have become even more important 
than in the past uh, because consumers, I mean, citizens need telecommunications, I mean, to have access to services that are not just, it's not just about entertainment, it's also about participating in a democratic society, having access to healthcare, having access to education, and many, many other, other services. So this is a big opportunity for telecom um, in the areas that I've, I've, just, I've just mentioned, so that telecommunication companies now uh, have also the opportunity, and I think that probably this is a requirement for them, to change the business model, to, to change the approach, so that this, this profit, this huge benefit that they can, they can make out of this, this evolution, uh, actually they, they, they manage to, to, to obtain. So basically, they went from a situation of control to having to accept the chaos of the internet, let's say, and the, and the fact that the users, um, you know, had, had direct choice on many things. But at the same time, and, and I think it's, it's been very apparent with COVID, um, telecom operators sit on a lifeline for all of us, mm -hmm. uh, that lifeline that allowed us to continue to work and and, and our kids to go to school uh, and, and have a social life. So um, you see opportunities, which is good, and I think will comfort the telecom operators that are worried. Um, let me switch to the second question then. What are the inherent dangers, if any, of big tech being requested to pay for the network of telcos? I see, I see a few risks um, in, in this um when it comes to this possible solution, uh, let's call it this way. Um, first risk is that, of course, this may create um, strong, uh, uh, strong connections uh, between big tech and telecoms. And these may have a negative impact on markets, uh, may have a negative impact on uh, competition, will create uh, entry barriers and particularly may uh, affect, um, may uh, endanger small businesses that want to enter the market of the provision of content and uh, applications uh, in the in the online world because of course i mean if this is the the solution that is adopted um, big tech companies will have the expectation of a better treatment uh, or a privileged treatment in as much as they are also being forced to pay uh, for for having uh, access or for using a telecom uh, network so again these may create entry barriers uh, to the market this may affect the viability of small businesses. Um, this may affect, let's say, the construction of a digital internal market um, as, as, as we know it, and also may create, let's say, or may foster certain process of balkanization of the internet because we need to take into account that telecom companies basically operate at the national level. So most probably big tech companies will have to negotiate in every single market the conditions of use and the conditions of payment for the use of uh, the, the telecom the telecom networks. This may also disincentivize, let's say, technological innovation, because of course, I mean, applications that make an intensive use of data, very interesting applications or new applications that make an intensive use of data um, may 
have problems to be deployed, um, depending by who is interested in deploying them, if um, these restrictions and these payment obligations are introduced. But um, considering also, I mean, my particular angle of seeing when I, when I look into these matters, I think that human rights will may also be at stake. Um, freedom of expression, pluralism, and in connection to that, the very notion of, of democracy. If certain platforms have privileged access to the networks, this means that access to information, to a variety of information, content, access to applications, platforms that, for example, have, let's say, more open or liberal rules when it comes to content moderation compared to the big tech platforms, these these will be detrimental for them. Access will be more difficult to this kind of alternative minority minority platforms. So the adoption of such scheme uh, may have, in my view, uh, negative implications, not only in terms of market, not only in terms of competition, but also in terms of protecting uh, human rights and democracy at the, at the EU level. So an impact on the market, an impact on smaller players, and potentially a consolidation of the big ones. And even more important from your point of view, but I think from all our points of view, uh, an impact on our fundamental rights, uh, such as freedom of speech and, and access to information, for example, and, and the right for minorities to express themselves. Um, that, that's not a good perspective. Um, let me switch to the third question, which is uh, more anecdotal and maybe, you know, uh, more of an economist question, but I think it, it, it's also a common sense question. Do you think it's appropriate to compare the contribution of big tech and telcos in infrastructure as suggested by some? Well, I think that here we are talking about two completely different types of actors huh, who play different roles in the, the value chain, if, if you want to call it this way. And in, in a perhaps some sort of an oversimplified vision of, of these, I would say that telecoms deploy infrastructure or exploit infrastructure, that's their business, and big tech uh, make it profitable. So here we are talking about complementary approaches. One cannot exist without the other, but both are separate and special. Um, so the other thing that we need to take into account when we analyze this, particularly from an economic point of view, is that we need to separate, let's say, investment costs that some telecom, uh, telecom companies may have. But we also need to remember that the basic infrastructure uh, was probably built in the in the good old times of the of the monopoly. No? So now so we are talking about additional investments, but still, um, this is one type of, of cost and the cost of the increment of traffic. Huh? These are two separate phenomena. One thing is to establish I mean, some sort of a new network and the other thing, and this has costs, and the other thing are the costs that, uh, let's say, uh, any increase in traffic uh, may, may have. Huh? If we mix the two of them, then the conclusions may be, may be wrong in terms of who needs to contribute to what. So I think that this analysis uh, needs needs to be made. The other thing that needs to be taken into account is that big tech, in some cases, are also engaging 
engaging in, in the deployment of certain types of, of infrastructure. But more important than that, I think that what is necessary is a collaboration and dialogue. That's true, but not, not necessarily via opaque agreements, but collaboration and dialogue between the tech sector and the infrastructure sector so that uh, a more efficient use of the networks can be can can be made. Also, it's like okay, I mean, let me deploy. I mean, I tech company. I can tell you, or I can think of a better way to use the resources that the network, this network, is offering to me. So that I mean, there are it's it's less intensive. Or the, the use that I make in terms of traffic is less intensive. So there are ways uh, to kind of push for the collaboration between big tech and telecom in order to have better, more efficient networks. Um, and then at the end of the day, this is something of the interest of the of the final consumers. We need to think I mean, these are the main the main actors here. Uh, but um, these solutions that do not necessarily imply just, I mean, uh, demanding, I mean, the the the, the agreements or some sort of agreements between big tech and, and telecom companies just in terms of paying. Huh? So we need to, I think that uh, we need to be a little bit more sophisticated when it comes to thinking about uh, solutions uh, to foster a, a better use and a more efficient use of infrastructure for a better provision of content and application and other services. So basically, in terms of the money uh, differentiate between the fixed cost of putting a pipe uh, in, in the ground and the variable cost associated to that pipe being used more and more, uh, which are very Correct. different concepts, and a symbiotic relationship between um, content and service providers and the telecoms. As you said, one can't exist without the other. Uh, so maybe that the balance of power is a bit more... Um, um, in equilibrium than, than some claim, seeing that both are needed. And finally, an encouragement to more collaboration to increase efficiencies of use of, of the network, uh, which I think I would add from a personal point of view, also from an environmental, uh, environmental friendly point of view to increase those efficiencies, right. probably too, right. not just from a network perspective. Um, we're coming at the end of the podcast and you know that after the three questions comes that wonderful moment where you stand on a soapbox and you uh, give your recommendations to the policymakers in Brussels. It says you have one minute, you can go to two minutes <laughs> um, to deliver a message. Um, Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission appeared on screen, Roberta Metzola, president of the European Parliament. Uh, two strong women in Brussels that carry a lot of uh, power. Now is your time. Tell them your recommendations on this debate uh, of, of internet regulation or not regulation. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. I'll try to be brief. Um, what I would say is that um, it's time to open up the mind uh, when it comes to these discussions, because it's not only about who pays the bill and particularly who pays the bill for the deployment of 5G, because I think that this is what, what at stake. We need to understand that this is a discussion that one way or another affects uh, the way we understand the internet. It's about the openness, keeping the openness of the internet, um, securing, guaranteeing equal access 
to the internet in terms of sources of information, in terms of um, different types of platforms, different types of services, different types of applications. Um, it's about protecting pluralism online, and it's about protecting freedom of expression online. So I think that, first of all, it is very important to make a proper market assessment of the implications of the different solutions, an economic assessment uh, of the impact of any solution. And this is something that I believe is still missing, looking into, let's say, the basic, the very basic proposals that are being put forward. But it's also time to uh, incorporate uh, this idea, very important idea of human rights impact. Uh, mm -hmm. To what extent, what kind of human rights impact may have the adoption of one solution or the other? And I, I think it's also important to remind that the, the European Commission uh, apparently will I mean, present very soon a proposal of an European Media Freedom Act uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the name of protecting pluralism. Well, pluralism is not only at stake when it comes to traditional media. It's also at stake when we regulate the Internet. And depending on how we regulate um, issues connected to net neutrality, if I can, we can call it this way, we are also affecting pluralism. So this also needs to be incorporated into the discussion, and I believe this still hasn't been properly taken into account. But, but I want to stress the fact that by presenting a Media Freedom Act, the European Union has express a particular commitment when it comes to protecting pluralism. So it's time to protect it when it comes to the internet as well. Uh, thank you, uh, Joanne. I think that was um, uh, very clear. And, and I'll take from that the, the, the idea of that evidence-based policymaking. But what I like is that you're saying basically that evidence is numbers, but also a human rights uh, impact assessment, uh, which which has been discussed Correct. in other files, and also is being discussed in terms of businesses when they take decision decisions that they should do a human rights impact assessment. But yes, legislators definitely need to do that to make sure that our rights are preserved. Um, thank you if so I may much. Add, if I may, if I may yes. add that, uh, sure. I mean, just a, just one reflection: big tech companies are forced to make. So many impact assessments uh, under the Digital Services Act. I think that this due diligence risk assessment obligation also be, need to be undertaken by, by the European Commission itself. I, I can only agree. I think it would be a wonderful exercise and it would be very uh, nice if the public could have access to those assessments so that they can see they're done thoroughly and, and that you know experts like yourselves and your academic colleagues uh, can give their um, feedback on them. <laughs> on this note, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is the beginning of a discussion, as I uh, say at the end of every podcast I do to everyone. We'll probably be back with, you know, part two, uh, once there are consultations, proposals, and um, I'm curious to see what your human rights impact assessment will be uh, on those. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.